1: right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is uh, Top of the Charts Tuesday. We play jams and reach the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Man, Patrick doing a great job DJing a Top of the Charts Tuesday. actually challenged my man Harge about his uh, knowledge of the uh, artist of this uh, specific selection. Harge said he knew who it was. I do. Mm.
2: I I gotta hear a little bit. Need no superstar. I accept you
1: as you are. So you know the words.
2: I do. So you know the, <laughs> you know the
1: artist of the song. You said you knew the artist. It's actually got a woman in yeah, the
0: band. Yeah. A woman.
1: It's
3: a married couple. And I say, there you go. It's a man and a woman. Ashford and Simpson. It is Marilyn McCoo and
2: Billy Davis Jr. Billy Davis ah. too, Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis too. That's what they call him. That's right. Yeah, there you go. See, uh, I was man, thinking I- of Ashford the but I do, I did know that song and that voice.
1: There you yep. go. Yep. So you, oh, well, we know you know the song. Yeah. Oh, yeah, karaoke. y'all caught that? Yeah, 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 karaoke Oh, going y'all caught that? You can't. No, 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 it wasn't bad either. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I was, wasn't going to go too high. Daddy, please don't. <laughs> please don't. Please, don't. Yeah, please don't I do know that. my range. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, you can be a part of the show. Specs text the best place to do it. 512-337-3776. Uh, last night, we all got a chance to witness that Old Testament-style butt-whipping that Georgia put on TCU. Honestly, it they made the game. I said it earlier. They made it unwatchable, um, and this stat pretty much proves it. The uh, fifty-eight point margin that Alabama, sorry, that Georgia beat TCU by um, was the largest margin of victory in bowl game history. Not just the national championship game, and not just the college football playoff bowl games or any. Type of big-time bowls. No, no. We're talking about any bowl game in college football history. No team has ever been beaten as bad in a bowl game as TCU was beaten by the Georgia Bulldogs in that national title game last night in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, that
2: was one of those situations where as soon as – I told you, my boy started putting on his shoes at his house. Like he was about to leave his house because the game was getting so bad. I was like, huh? He's like, yeah, I'm about to go. I'm about to go see my mom. It it was bad. I'm like, what is going on? But when you sit here and as we were getting ready for the game, I didn't realize. I knew TCU, you know, they fought to get to that point. But when you watch that game, there was nothing in that game that I thought leading up to that game was going to happen when I saw the speed. When I saw the speed and the speed differential, Mm. I knew that this was going to be bad. The only thing they could hope for, TCU that is, was turnovers and a sloppy game by Georgia. But Georgia was a team. Rod, you and I had talked about it yesterday. Their, their passing defense was awful. They had given up eight over 800 yards passing in the last two games that they played. Mm-hmm. And remember, Kirby Smart said, I'm still trying to figure out how we won this game. But we got some things we need to clean up, and we're gonna clean them up. And I was like, "Okay, yeah, all right." That's what all coaches says. That's what that's what everybody goes through. Oh yeah, they cleaned it up, and they cleaned it up big time. Yeah,
1: spotless. No, they, they wa- made it they, spotless. They, no, they did. They cleaned it up, and they they used the TC Horn Frogs to clean the flow. Cause they wiped the flow with them. I mean, it was just yeah. Uh, except it, I hadn't seen a dominant performance like that. Um, at, on the NH Championship game, a long time. We've seen Super Bowls end up being blowouts, so yep. we've seen those. I mean, so then probably that's probably in the category too, but it, I, I knew TCU was overmatched. We talked about how the TCU roster, at least they're starting 22 on both sides of the ball, they're uh, starting 11 on both sides of the ball, I should say, mm-hmm. only had four total blue chip prospects on it um, and that they were kind of a Cinderella story. Well, uh, it looks like Georgia turned Cinderella into a gold-digging skank and exposed her because they were outmatched, outcoached, outplayed. That was never – I guess the first quarter was probably the only time it was somewhat competitive. But after they outscored TCU 21-0 in the second quarter, by the mid-second quarter, the game was over with. Right. Um, and TCU not only was the more physical, sorry, they they, they were expected to be the uh, the the faster team. They right. they, they they were going to use their speed, turning into a perimeter-oriented game, and maybe they could win that way. But Georgia not only was the more physical team and had obviously the the advantage in the lines of scrimmage, but they were the faster team too. You brought that up, hard. They speed-wise, they looked like they were on a different level than TCU. So I, there was no advantage that TCU had in this matchup. It wasn't a talent advantage. They didn't have a schematic advantage. Uh, they they came out a little flat, looked like the moment and the magnitude of that stage and how big it was also had a negative effect on TCU. So I think the experience advantage for Georgia, having played there before, also was magnified. And that's why they ended up blowing them out 65-7. to
2: 65-7. And... <clears throat> The over-under was 63 going into the game. Georgia got it by themselves. And when you can do a curtain call for your team at the beginning of the fourth quarter, the beginning of the fourth quarter where you're time timeout to get people off the field so they can get a standing ovation, that means you went in there and put in that work. You went out there and did some things. And going into the night, I kept saying, they're tight ends. They haven't been as as ex- ex- as explosive as they once were you leading into that, you it. said they was going to be a problem. They were going to be a problem because of the size differential. Like, if you just look at them, they're just huge all Thanks. the way across. And you saw the one tight end, Washington, he threw down one of the TCU's defenders. Like, he just body slammed them, threw him on the ground, and they were like, yeah, it do not even matter. It doesn't even matter what was going on. So it was very impressive to watch them. They were surgically going after him. Stetson Bennett, I mean, we can all make fun of how old he is and how he's 25, and there's five guys in the NFL quarterbacks that he's older than. But he went out there and played the way that he's been playing his entire career. Whenever he's gotten his opportunity, he showed up, accounted for six touchdowns, and he looked faster than the TCU team, period, which I was not expecting. Mm -hmm. I was not expecting him to I mean there's guys on both teams that are fast, but I didn't expect that quarterback to be that guy running away from people. And then we talked about the 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 tight ends and how they were moving. It was just a masterful game plan by by Georgia in the way that they handled their business.
1: Todd Monken deserves a lot of credit offensive coordinator for Georgia um because he just kept TCU off. They just they they seemed like they were uh, uh, basically on their heels constantly, and he kept them guessing. Constant. They yeah. never really figured out um, the 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 offensive rhythm of Georgia. Georgia was able to throw when they wanted to throw. They were able to run when they wanted to run, uh, and they had a lot of balance. Uh, you go look at it. Fifty eight percent of the yards that Georgia had on the ground on design runs came after contact. Yeah. So, I mean, TCU is one of the you know, better defensive teams in the Big Twelve and in the country and uh man, they were just outmatched. The physicality of Georgia just overwhelmed them. And I thought that Stetson Bennett, you know, he was he was great. He had six total touchdowns, but adding him as a a running threat yeah. was just almost too much to game plan for for TCU it was too many threats for them to have to account for um, and that's why I think you had some coverage busts where you had one wide open touchdown um, and I think a lot of that was because of the tempo George did a good job of keeping the tempo up and going into what they call that that sugar huddle um, they would just really go into a tempo up tempo mode and then they would go into a shift they would go into a power personnel package with those tight ends you talked about all mm-hmm. right multiple tight ends they got 3 of them all of them are going to play in the NFL but they they would, they would show a power personnel package and then they would shift via motion or just via a pre-snap shift to a spread formation mm-hmm. and then they would just light up TCU and I actually went back and kind of documented how often they did they did it 9 times Uh, Where they had a power personnel package and they would shift to a spread formation and they averaged 13 over 13 yards per play, uh, over 12 yards per passing attempt when they did this, and they averaged over eight yards per rush. And they would just keep TCU in a really, uh, really a D a, a position where they were on their heels and they really weren't in attack mode, they kept TCU from being aggressive by constantly shifting the the pre-snap uh, perception or the pre-snap read for them because sometimes it was a power uh, yep. personnel package, but sometimes they would spread it out and go into a spread formation or even using Stetson Bennett's legs at times. Ooh. I think just kind of kept them off balance.
2: Confusing the entire time. And the other thing, too, I wanted to ask you guys this. We were talking about it yesterday. In the last two seasons, they've won 29 games. 29-1, and one. Stetson Bennett has been the starting quarterback, somebody who wasn't in the grand scheme, had to go to a junior college, come back, fight for it, get his opportunity. F- kept telling Coach Kirby Smart, I'm going to be your quarterback. Don't try to run me off. I'm going to be your quarterback. Finally gets his opportunity, goes out there. Where do you rank him in the lore of uh, Georgia football? I mean, back-to-back championships, that should tell you one thing. 29-1 and one as a starter for him. That is an amazing feat when you look at a guy that was a walk-on and had to leave to be a
1: JUCO to come back to the same spot that ran him off. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I I don't know enough about Georgia football to kind of say where he is. I mean, obviously we're two back-to-back. Uh, championships. I'm sure Stetson Bennett is going to be considered one of the the all time greats there for Georgia. He was a Heisman Trophy finalist too, yeah, and he was a finalist. He was yeah, a finalist for the Heisman Trophy too. So you got to throw that among the accolades uh, and achievements for Stetson Bennett. It was a walk on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's in the conversation for greatest walk on stories in college football history as well. So here's the other thing. Kirby
2: Smart said he's 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 got goat status in Athens. He's Georgia. Forever, and he will be able to do whatever he wants. And I hope he gets a chance at the
1: next level. He'll get a chance at the next level. I, like I said I don't know if he it will be right, highly right. Dra- drafted really he, high. Would he be Mister Irrelevant? Uh, he, <laughs> you he think could? your boys? Could Somebody get might like That's like right. you know the intangibles that he brings to the table. Um, but yeah, for me, Stetson Bennett is. They're, so, they're surrounded by so much talent. He's performing at a really right. high level. Um, but I don't necessarily know if he has to uplift the play of others around him, which a lot of – great quarterbacks have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, they play at such a high level, and he's surrounded by so much talent. So it's not not knocking Stetson Bennett at all either. He's playing at a really high level, too. He's matching that level of play. Yeah. Um, he is definitely not a liability at all for them. Not at uh, all. Yeah, he makes plays in clutch time. Um, but when you're surrounded by that much talent, and you've got great coaching, too, which Georgia has, no doubt about it. I'm um, not going to say it's easy for Stetson Bennett, but it, he does have the luxury of just being able to go out there and manage the game and put the ball in the right places to elite athletes at every level. Exactly. Every level. I mean, his offensive line is arguably the best offensive line in the country. They can make that claim. Potentially. Never looked
2: like he was under pressure He's, at all.
1: <laughs> they can they can run the ball on whoever they want to run the ball on. They yep. you know they're never having to be a one dimensional offense. Uh, and he does a good job putting the ball on the money. Todd Munkin's uh, really built a system around his skill set, so it's quarterback friendly or user friendly for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, he doesn't make a lot of wild plays for me. Right. I like, you know, I mean, I want my, I need quarterbacks to be able to put the cape on and make wild plays. He, like I said, he is doing everything he's asked to do, um, but. CJ Stroud and guys like Bryce Young. Yeah, those are the ones that pop out. Yeah, you see those guys make the the the, the plays that look, you know, like they are otherworldly. Um, they can put the team on their back. I'm not sure he's a put the team on his back guy, but nothing wrong with that. Right, right. He just has to manage the game. You know, it, I don't think Brock Purdy was considered a put the team on your back guy. And now at the NFL level, with the right team, in the right system, compatible with his skill set, he is doing everything he's been asked to do and performing at a really high level. Yeah. But. Put the team on your speaking back. Of, guy. Yeah, put the team on your back, guys are the guys who will draft a really high quarterback.
2: Speaking of Brock Purdy and what it is, that's uh Dan Orlowski's NFL comp for Stetson Bennett is Brock Purdy. So it's just simultaneous it, as we were uh, just talking about yeah,
1: it. Another thing, I it, Brock, Brock Purdy yes. wasn't asked to be, you know, to put the team on his back, even at Iowa State. You know, they built the they built the system around his skill set. I don't think that's a bad comparison. It's strange that Dan Orlowski <laughs> said I swear to God, I yeah, did not see thought, that it when it I was making the comparison. just came up yeah, while I, you were talking. But, but, but it shows yeah. you this a minute at the NFL level, right, system yep, can right. be great.
2: So here's my other question. I want to flip the script because now we look at the Cinderella, as you called her, the, the dirty skank. The ball had changed <laughs> and went back to regular clothes right after that. Yes, you got invited to the dance. Yes, you did your job. And things have, have uh, turned around for you. But after last night's 65-7 to debacle, what's next for TCU? Obviously, Max Duggan's going to be gone. He said he's leaving. He said he's leaving. Um, He still has that option. But do you think that they are going to be able to rekindle all that they had this year. I know it's going to be tough. Quinn Johnston's going to be gone. Uh, Hodges, Mid, uh, Thomas, yeah. maybe gone. I think Josh might be gone too. N- Newton, he had point. a great year. Yeah. Um, you're going to have to r- try to find some people to fill in those voids. But in the Big 12, do you feel like they are going to have that big opportunity again um. next year?
1: No, I think the Big 12 would just. Because they're not going to surprise anybody. It'll look really different. And yeah, they won't surprise anybody. And that, let's admit, a lot of it was, you know, the fact that they were the most experienced team in the Big 12. They had. So many guys returning. I think they had eight guys on that team with at least uh, 30 starts. I mm-hmm. think they had uh, double digit guys with at least 20 starts. Ton of experience. Um, and even Max Duggan, not originally the starter for them, didn't win the job and then comes in and plays at a Heisman caliber level for most of the season. Mm-hmm. New year coach, first year coach, uh, I should say, with Sonny Dykes. I like the system he brought in with Joe Gillespie, but th- they're going to be some staff changes because i I guarantee some guys off their staff going to get consideration mm-hmm. for other jobs. So that may change. Um, so I don't think they're going to have the season they had this year. Um, will they have a bad season? Um, I don't know what their definition of bad or good is. Right. Uh, I think they can win seven, eight games. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's realistic for them, even with a new regime change. You got a lot of momentum. And if they can harness that momentum in the offseason and use it, to fuel their recruiting. I think in transfer portal rankings right now, they're top three in the country in transfer portal rankings. Uh, They did a really good job of getting guys out of JUCOs um, to help build the roster through the transfer portal last offseason. So I think for TCU, it's going to be about talent development um, because they're going to bring have a lot of new faces. Um, and they don't have the experience that they had on this roster. They're going to lose a ton of those guys. Remember I said about the offensive line having no injuries, and they had all five offensive linemen start Mm -hmm. every game this year? They had two injuries on the offensive line (laughs) in that game. In the
2: game, yeah.
1: Regression to the mean. It's going to happen. Yeah. You're Not gonna go the entire. Damn just wasn't season. waiting
2: for it to happen right there. Yeah, no. it just happened
1: at the most. <laughs> in our I guess like the most physical team you're going to face all year. Right. You had two O-linemen, and two of your starter o linemen go down in that game or have to change positions, I should say. So it just, I think it's just part of it. they 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 had a lot of good luck happen. Um, for a long extended period of time for them, yeah. and I'm not saying that's it was all luck. Not at all. They had a, a great scheme, a lot of experience. I love the, what the coaches did, and they had some damn good players who be playing on Sundays. But you got you need a lot of luck. Yeah. Hell, when the when the Bucks won the Super Bowl, they were the healthiest team in the NFL. Injury luck is a big part of making runs in football,
2: no doubt. It's a big part. It's, it's huge. I mean, look at what we're talking about right now with the San Francisco 49ers. They're on a 10-game run the winning streak.
1: Yeah, and they haven't had injury and luck. They,
2: Right. They and haven't they, had They've it. been
1: struggling, they, and now they're <laughs> getting everybody back. getting
2: everybody back. They but you've been saying it. Luck. What yeah. do you have to do? Win while you're going through adversity yeah. and everything else, when everybody comes back, you'll have that opportunity, and that's what they presented themselves. That's why I'm curious to what's going to happen in this Big 12 next year. I'm really looking to – Figure out with the teams that are coming in. In you, in this U, the year that i in mean, U of H, Cincinnati, Cincinnati BYU, BYU. Yeah, this is going to be a very, very competitive and interesting uh, Big Twelve season coming up. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I wonder what the schedule is going to uh, cool. be like too. How it's going to work out I with know. the new members coming in. Right. You're still going to have Texas and Oklahoma for at least a year um, before they can move on to the SEC. Hopefully, so you could have just kind of a a wild, uh, expanded Big 12, just for a, a temporarily expanded Big 12, which may work out in Texas' favor. Maybe it won't. Um, but I think I think for Texas, going into next season, the expectations are pretty clear, especially with TCU coming off the run they just made. Uh, yeah. Longhorn fans want to see Texas in a Big 12 title game. No doubt. Um, and they want to see more than eight wins. So that's what Texas has to do. We'll get into that, too, because the Big 12 um, is something I kind of want to discuss in Raj round today. We'll get okay. into that a little bit as well. Uh, but getting back to TCU and the, the just the butt whipping they received <laughs> at the hands of uh, Georgia, I thought it was interesting that on the panel last night they talked about how Georgia is now the new standard in college football, which they are. But Nick Saban was there to witness that conversation. Uh, a down year for Nick Saban is... Two losses. Yeah. Now, like that's you I, when you become a prisoner of your own success, a prisoner of your own excellence at one point when you keep pushing the standard, like a Nick Saban. We talking about now Nick Saban regressing. He's regressing because he lost two games, and didn't play in the national title game. Right. Or didn't make it to the Cash Ball <laughs> right. playoff. All right. That's but that's the standard that Nick Saban has set for himself. Now Kirby's smart in Georgia similarly, you got that kind of standard now for Georgia. If He's a prisoner now of his own success and excellence. If he doesn't win at least 10, 11 game, double digit games every year, Georgia fans are gonna say, What's going on? Well, what's happening? Well, I think why he realizes he it too.
2: I think he realizes oh, it too. That's yeah. why he's like, don't worry about us. That's why he kept saying, We are the hunt. we are the hunters. Yeah. I don't want no I don't want anybody in this locker room getting comfortable. I don't you can't. You can't because we are hunting people. That's why his uh locker room speech was so profanity-laced. He knew I need more from you guys. I mm-hmm. need you to bring it. Don't get comfortable. We got something in front of us that we need to achieve. And they went out and achieved it. Aggression. We gotta be, we gotta be aggressive.
1: Yeah. Like, okay. yeah. <laughs> okay. It was. And, and they were. Complacency is a curse. Um, Yeah, and he won't allow it to creep into his program. Uh, It crept into the Texas program Mm -hmm, after a while, but mm -hmm. it took ten years. Yeah, it took a Um, while. So I think what Kirby Smart has done. The key is stack those classes. He had, I think, the number three recruiting class this past season, which is still pretty damn good. But actually, is a drop off for (laughs) how high the high level recruiting he's had. Number three and four in the last two years, but but prior to that, in twenty. 20, 2019, 2018, he was number one, number two, and number mm-hmm. one. So you're talking about 98 blue-chip signees, 25 five-star signees, and a 79% blue-chip signee ratio in the last five recruiting classes. Yeah. That's what you got to do. That's You got to stack, gotta stack that Keep kind of talent. Keep stacking them. And as Bucky always says, the talent will outweigh the coaching. So even if the coaching's not up to par, you stack that kind of talent, you'll compete for championships yeah. just based on the talent alone. You want to win championships, you want to win back-to-back championships, you got to do what Georgia did. You got to have top-notch coaching and an elite roster, and you got to have a bunch of, no pun intended, Dogs. All right. D A W G S yeah. dogs on your roster with that killer mentality that uh you know he's talking about we're, we're no, we're always hunting. You mean like we Jamal Williams? Hunting.
2: You mean like Jamal Jamal Williams yeah. dogs? Yeah, that guy, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you really
1: do. But that's that's a culture thing, yeah. right? That's your coach, your culture produces those types of players who have that attitude, that relentless attitude. Every time they go out there, they want to impose their will on an opponent and they want to break an opponent. Yeah. They want to break them. They There'll have to. time. They, they want have them to. to submit. All right. That's basically what they did to TCU. They made TCU submit I'm in a national title game. They made them tap out. Like I'm done. I'm and I, I was watching I'm tapping out, I'm done. Sonny Dykes could not even there
2: was nothing he could do. There was nothing. He was just standing there like, wow. I gotta witness it. I gotta sit here and it. take it. I
1: gotta sit I here. I can't leave. My, I can't start my car. Nothing. I gotta get up out of here. I, I can't gotta do sit it. here and take Everybody it. Everybody, look at me. I, I wanna cry, but <laughs> I can't cry because I'm on national TV. I can't cry, but I wanna cry. Right. They all wanna cry. <laughs> Everybody. They, they all admitted that the guys cried when they got to the locker room. That's the kind of game you wanna cry out there. I wanna cry what, right now. What they What's they say? going on? Hey, Debo, he gonna cry when he, he get, gonna get gonna in the car. He gonna cry when I guarantee I wanna cry too. You got beat that bad. You got the worst butt whipping in the history of bowl games. In college football, yeah, what? No, no you got to go cry that out. I'm sorry. <laughs> you sorry. All y'all, get all of all it. All y'all crying. Like, them Coaches right. crying. <laughs> players cry. You got to get that out. You can't hold that in. That's I should have been better. <laughs> no. I should have been better. Not bubbles <laughs> all that. Be fair. If I if
3: I walked <laughs> up to the line. And yeah. I saw how much bigger they were than me. I'd be like, I'm already crying. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I got to hit this guy this yeah. over and over again. Yeah. They were all crying inside yeah. from like the second quarter on. Don't worry, TC, we all cried watching. Man, it. We cried we too. We cried man. inside too, man, because yeah. that, was, that was hard to watch. It, it was really just a dominant performance by Jordan. So congrats to the Bulldogs. But for Texas, leading it back to them, stacked them kind of classes five years in a row. But. The Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Cardi B size, Megan Thee Stallion size, Beyonce size. But is you don't stick around the 40 acres as long as Mac did unless you're winning. So you got to keep winning. He's not lying. Yeah, you got to keep winning. You got to keep winning. So you keep winning while you're also stacking them classes. Oh, you'll be there. Sark will be there in five, six years. Yes. He'll be in that conversation. I guarantee you. But you got to stick around long enough to stack them classes, and you're going to be out if you start regressing. If you Mm -hmm. go from eight wins to nine wins and back to seven, oh, that ain't going to work. You got to go from eight to nine or to 10, and you got to keep, you have to become a prisoner of your own excellence. That's what we're looking for. We already know it's going to be some uh, unrealistic expectations once you start winning a lot of games, but that's what we want. We, yeah, want those. we need those unrealistic. We I want to be part yeah. of that party that I saw last night. Exactly. We need you to the point where Mac Brown was winning 10, 11 games. Longhorn yes. fans going, I'm not sure Mac's the guy. Yes. <laughs> that's, yep. you, that's a prisoner of your own excellence. Yep. And Mac knew it. He's like, I got I to gotta win more every year. I got to win titles. If I don't win a title, it's that you know, is always title or a bust. That's pretty much the path you have to be on at a program like Texas. And when you're not on that path, Longhorn fans are going to be a little anxious. Yeah, I was mad at Mac Brown when he kept telling me, we're going to win 10 games,
2: and, you know, we're going to just see what we do after that. And I'm like, no, Mac, I want to hear I want to win championships. That's yeah. what I want to hear. Yeah. But to your point, sure miss those 10-win seasons, Exactly. Man. Sure miss them. Yeah. But remember Mark Rick, He was there? He's yep. Winning, this winning 10 games. Oh, yeah. He's sitting there, too, like, damn. That could have been me. That could have been me. That could have been me. I couldn't get over the All hump. Right. So
1: I, that's I, it, it, it is ultimately what Kirby Smart now has to deal with because the expectations are unrealistic and they're really, really high. But for Nick Saban, like I said, he's got a down year now. Yeah, he's what, was yeah. he 12 and two. Yeah, exactly. Down year, man.
2: And and lost a game by one or one. Wait, yeah. I think he lost by a total of what?
1: Eight points? Something like that. Yeah. Down year? Some down year, man. And he'll admit it. Underachiever. Exactly. That's right now. A lot of uh, Alabama fans are saying. Yeah. Uh, that's what Longhorn fans, they want to get back to that. All right. We come back. We'll talk about Longhorn fans. We'll talk about Longhorn football a little bit. Also, I got a nugget for Texans fans out there about uh, their potential new hire. All of that and more right here on Ball. Don't on horn. I'm as mad
3: as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real.
2: You ain't keeping it
1: real. my God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What oh, you've
2: done it now. It's time for Rod's oh. rant of the day. Hold on to your butt.
1: All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 on the Horn. Time for Raj Rand of the day. Uh, a little smorgasbord here, doing some research. I told you guys I'd get into this uh, yesterday because I brought up the fact that the Texans are going to be hiring another coach. They're going to allow Nick Casario, who is going into his third year, I believe, as a GM for the Texans. They're going to allow him to hire a his third head coach after having – consecutive one-and-done coaches. And we've seen one-and-done coaches in the NFL, but it's very rare to have consecutive one-and-done coaches. That's rare. Um, and I went and looked it up and did some research and found that the Texans are not the only team in the Super Bowl era to have consecutive one-and-done Coaches And I thought, oh, man, the Texas have got to be the only S show um, and the only dumpster fire, fuster cluck to end up having multiple one and done coaches. Turns out I was wrong about that. Uh, and you'll be surprised. And I was a little shocked, too, to learn that the, the organization and actually there's one organization that has multiple instances of consecutive one and done coaches. Do You guys want to guess what organization that is? Uh, other than the Texans. The Texans, is two organizations in the Super Bowl era that have consecutive, multiple consecutive, you know, one-and-done coaches. Uh, the Texans are actually the other one. Who's the other team in the Super Bowl era? Last 53 years or whatever. I would say one of the teams that has been awful. It, it's obviously a, it is a sign of dysfunction. We know that. New, or- <laughs> New Orleans? That's a good guess. It is not New Orleans. I'm going to go the Chargers. That is a good guess too. It is not the Chargers. Arizona? You're going to be surprised. It's not Arizona. Uh-huh. How about this guys? The 49ers. What?
3: Oh, when they had Tom Sula the yep. San, yep. yeah, yeah. I remember 49ers. that time. How yeah, about that crazy? they fired a guy and then yeah. they got they hired Chip Tom Kelly. Sula. They hired Chip Kelly and then Tom Sula.
1: Yeah. yeah. And they yeah. went back to back one and done.
3: Yeah. They hired a guy who
1: couldn't talk, and we yeah, were all like, yeah. "Oh no, I remember." No, he that was. Though. Yeah, he was literally. I think he had like a press conference where he farted or something. Like yeah, he yeah, was, it was, bad. He was it one was of those awful. guys. He just like uh, he just he doesn't really understand. He, he was a actually was a good position coach because uh, I think he was an O line, yeah. or a line coach. Yeah, but yeah, he's a, in the league still. Yeah, he is. He's still in the league, so yep. I forgot who he's with now. But he's still in the league. And then they hired Tri- uh, Chip Kelly, and then they decided to move Chip Kelly, and then they hired Shannon. Yep. 2017, right Chip Kelly. So that was two one-and-done coaches by the 49ers. And turns out that um, Trent Balky <laughs> was the GM
2: Imagine that. of both of those yeah, one-and-done.
1: then they fired say. Trent Balky.
2: Yeah.
1: Right, so he didn't get to hire his third coach. No. So, so he so, didn't hire the good coach. No. So Nick Casario is the first GM in the Super Bowl era that's going to be allowed to hire a third head coach after consecutive one and done so and he'll, he'll be the a first. A great
3: record, seven and twenty six as a GM. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, he'll be yeah he'll be the first. Let's try to show you the organizational failure there. Okay, but how about this? The Forty Nine ers had two instances where this happened. So the after the first, this is gives hope to Texas fans. After the first uh, consecutive one and done coaches, Jim Tomsula in twenty fifteen, Chip Killer in twenty sixteen, um, they fired Trent Baalke. So maybe you got to, uh, I don't know if you're to <laughs> fire Nick Casario, but maybe you do. They fired Trent Baalke and obviously ended up firing Chip Kelly and they hired John Lynch. But remember, that was essentially just an understanding that John Lynch was going to bring in Shano. And Shano, Kyle Shanahan has personnel control. And we know since then, it's been pretty good. They went to two NFC title games, went to a Super Bowl. Um, and this year they look like, you know, they may be in a in the Super Bowl conversation this year as well. Uh, in 1976 and 1977 and in 1978, the 49ers also had consecutive one and done coaches. They had Monty Clark in 76. Uh they had Ken Meyer in 1977 and Pete McCulley in 1978 fired their um, they fired the GM and fired the head coach again. Come on, man. And hired Bill Walsh in 1979. Hired so, him as the GM and the head coach. And we all know how that goes down. Bill Walsh one of the greatest head coaches in the history of the NFL the and a three-time Super Bowl champion. <laughs> so, and by the way, the ownership at the time that the 49ers did that in 1977 when they hired sorry, 1979 when they hired Bill Walsh, um, but he was also the GM or sorry, the owner, uh, when they hired Ken Meyer in 77 and also Pete McCulley in uh, 1978, was Ed DeBartolo Jr. Oh. So the ownership was a little better for the 49ers than it is for the Texans with Cal McNair. And if you go look at the GMs, the GMs during that time was Joe Thomas and, like, Louis Spadia. Spott- but they fired that guy and hired Bill Walsh, and the rest is history. So the only good sign for the Texans possibly could be that... The 49ers, the only other team to have consecutive one and done coaches after they were done, you know, kind of experimenting and troubleshooting, they really figured it out and hit home runs. I think Kyle Shanahan was a home run for the 49ers. And I think we all know that Bill Walsh was a grand slam home run for the 49ers in 79. So the Texans, that's the only hope you got. Yeah. That's it. Because you got David Cully and Lovey Smith, both one-and-dones, and now you're looking for your next head coach. And Nick Casario will be the first GM in Super Bowl uh, history, Super Bowl era, allowed to hire a third head coach after consecutive one-and-done head coaches. Uh, let me, let
3: wow. me ask you this. As a guy who comes from the Patriots tree, who is who did not hire coaches because they had Bill Belichick. Very true. Who... Arguably had a very bad coaching tree, so they didn't necessarily bring in the best guys always because Belichick kind of wanted guys that were more subservient. Mm, Do you trust Casario to make the right call? Do you think he has that in him or is it you're just hoping he does?
1: I think we are just hope there's no evidence that he has it right now. You're just hoping that he makes the right call about a new coach. There's no evidence yeah. of it though. That's, no, it's 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 not, faith.
3: It's not coming mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. the right tree of Oh no no, he worked with this GM before yeah. and that guy's hired good coaches. Exactly
1: relationships, yeah. right? Yeah. Those, yeah. The, the connections, and I don't know if he has those connections. I, he has Patriot connections, we know that, but that's...
3: That's not a good thing. Yeah,
1: <laughs> for, no. for them, it is not a good thing. So, I did a little research on you, so there you go. Uh, since 1970, you do have other examples of it that have worked out. It's been and a minute, been Successful. Though. It has been a minute. <laughs> and uh, the, 49, the 49ers do that, though. The 49ers... We, we recognize over the years—that's why I, I admire about the 49ers. They screw up, but they recognize it, and they immediately are ready to move on from a screw-up. They're like, ah, yeah. oh, we messed up. Let's move on. They, they're they not going to throw good money after bad. They don't do that. They're just no. like, nah, we'll move on to something else. Quick, fast, in a hurry. It's always helped them out as an organization, too. Uh, all right. so said i give you some long foot stuff just so it's real quick uh, about the Jay Witt uh, return for uh, Texas this year. And, Hard, you've brought this up several times, and I totally agree. Texas has to figure out a better way to utilize Jay Witt. His role is to—he's basically been typecast as just the slot guy. And even in the slot— will admit that his route tree is a pretty basic route tree. Not a lot of slot fades. No, you yeah. don't really have a lot. There's not a ton of over routes there. I think he needs more deep routes. I think I, that I, would help you. I think so, too. Yeah, he's a guy that should be – they should throw deep more, too. So I, I, I think this year, bringing him back, that's one of the things you I want to see Sark uh, emphasize is trying to maximize and weaponize Jay Whitmore. He – and listen – I knock on wood, knock on wood with first time he's been healthy alright since Yo, he's been nope, here. So nope. I guess I am asking a lot. But since now he's made it through an entire season, I would literally really like to see Sark implement some positionless football aspects uh of his game planning with Jay Wick, because he has that ability. We talk about Shannon all the time, and I always say that Shannon has separated himself from the rest of the league with a really unique concept. Basically, all the position, all the skill position guys on his offense, they are playing multiple positions. Whether it be Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Kittle, Juice, Check, all those guys are movable chess pieces, which gives your uh, your defense so much multiplicity. It almost makes you indefensible because you're like a Rubik's cube. You got 43 quintillion different permutations that they're trying to figure out that they cannot. And it's all—it almost guarantees you a matchup advantage somewhere. Now he Sark's not channel. You don't have that many pieces, but you do got a—you got a JT Sanders. You definitely have one, and, and you, I think again, he Jordan, was under—he yeah. was underutilized as well. Exactly, because I think you were pigeonholing him too much. That guy can play flex tight end. Yes. He can play. He can play out and wide. He can play in the slot, which Sark did some of that. But he also can play H back and line him up in the backfield as a fullback, and then use play-action pass and have. When you line somebody up in the backfield like that they automatically, defenses, they're automatically triggered to have linebackers covering guys like that. No doubt. No or, doubt. Or, or they have run, basically run-oriented defenders covering the guys in the backfield. Well, J.T. Sanders, instant mismatch. So, And, and by the way, Georgia does a lot of that. That's my point. Georgia, That's why what I'm saying you should have been looking
2: at yeah. that game yeah, plan that. and what was drawn up in the utilization of all of those guys. Yeah. They even ran a reverse with him. They did an reverse one exactly. They used him yeah. because he's good ends, with the ball the, the in his screen. Head. They
1: love the tight end yes. screen with him. So I just think, but Texas we, started the year off with that and then disappeared from they it. Disappeared from it. Uh, so and uh, Keelan Robinson is another one of those guys. He's a you know he's a he's a uh, hybrid player that plays wide receiver and then running back for you, you can use him in different ways. So just those three yep. pieces that are proven commodities for you are all guys who have versatility, hybridism within their skill set. And I'm not saying you need to major in it because you're not. he's not Shano, so Shano has built this philosophy up over years and through the draft, but you do have pieces on your offense that can replicate some of those concepts that can really kind of forge a new identity for you offensively. Because I think that's what they lacked in the bowl game was an identity. You had a good game from Quinn Ewers, but nobody knew the identity of the offense at the time. Um, And I think a positionless football philosophy is a great place to start with some of these pieces like yeah. JT Sanders like Jay Witt like Keelan Robinson yeah so, they, I'm with you on that bro um, yeah uh, you've been uh, you're the big you're, you've you been saying it every week that Jay <laughs> J Witt's underutilized and I agree with that and I think it's a lot of different ways he's underutilized mostly the route tree is too basic for him in the slot but also move him around or we'll put him in the backfield yeah him in the backfield. Honestly, put him in the backfield, hand it off to him one time or put him on the perimeter. We know he's really physical. I think he actually can do some of those perimeter-oriented runs. So uh, that's what I've been thinking about a lot, trying to figure out what the Texas offensive identity is going to be for 2023. Yeah. All right, we come back. We got off the record on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, you can always be a part of the show. Specs text is the best way to do it. 512-337-3776. Uh, we don't have a ton of time for off the record here. Uh, so I want to play. Oh, I'm in hard. Just jamming. Top of the charts Mike, Tuesday. Michael
2: Jackson and uh,
1: Paul McCartney. Um, Say, say, say. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not one of my favorite collabos, i going to admit to you. <laughs> uh, Were you but- more of the girl's mind?
3: Uh, no, I another mean, Paul McCartney, Michael Jackson yeah, song.
1: I don't know if, I, uh, yeah, I don't know if I was into their collaboration at all. Really, <laughs> I'm sure it was genius and everything, and some music snobs gonna hit me. up and be like, oh, you are talking about? This guy. I just wasn't really into it. But both, obviously, very talented human gotcha. beings. But top of the charts Tuesday, another very talented human being. My man Patrick Davis puts together uh, the top uh, of the charts Tuesday, which is uh, songs that reached the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history, um, and that's why he's uh, putting it together for you. That's why you get a little Paul McCartney and Michael. Jackson. Jackson uh, on top of the charts Tuesday. All right, um, let's hit some audio here. I wasn't going to get into this in the Cowboys segment, but I think it's a little humorous, so it actually may fit in off the record. So Jerry Jones, who was just. flabbergasted by the butt whipping they received at the hands of the Washington Commanders this past weekend. He, they got him right after the game. You know Jerry Jones, audio gold. Um, so this clip is about a minute, yes. but there's one part of this clip that has actually kind of gone viral, and people are uh, using it to uh, have a little fun, alright, and uh, have a little fun at the expense of Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. So here is the audio, and then you guess what part of this audio that people are <laughs> taking and running running wild with. Here it is.
0: Uh, we get to suck on that all week, and uh, if that doesn't make you want to uh, get ready to go in about six, seven days, nothing else will. And that was as uh, uh, thorough a butt-kicking as we've had this year. And uh, uh, we're going to find out if that'll get you ready or not. It uh, should with what these guys are made of. That's all I got to say. And uh, I'm, I'm frankly, they they're sound. They've got really outstanding players, and they're very physical. And uh, so uh, you can uh, uh, basically uh, see a scenario where some of the physicalness that uh, were there. But uh, more important than anything is uh, uh, we get to it. I know you've heard that, and I haven't even been down here, but uh, I've heard it. But uh, this one, you get to come back over a bad dream and uh, get to uh, – Jimmy Stewart had to have a wonderful Christmas. Come back next week, get back uh, in the gear. Uh, but that's certainly the way I look at it, and I'm so disappointed for uh, our fans, but not half as disappointed as I would be if I were sitting here this time next week. So we got something to go for, and we'll empty this bucket this week. I love Jerry's Jerry sound it's great uh, the Jimmy Stewart thing
1: is interesting too he threw out that little It's a Wonderful Life reference there boom I like that I'm a big fan of "This Wonderful Life so I like that um, So <laughs> he looks like Jimmy Stewart right
2: now <laughs> that's
1: exactly um, but he you start- mean he's standing on a bridge <laughs> yeah ready to jump <laughs> he's, but he started out saying we gotta suck on this one all <laughs> week uh, people have had a lot of fun with that
0: yeah uh, we get to suck on that all week <laughs> yeah the-
1: <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, usually, people say chew on it. I think you said you got to chew on that all week or process well, he's that you older. He, can't, that. he don't have
3: teeth like that no more, That's so true. he's got suck on. it. He <laughs> can't chew suck. on
1: it. It's just weird to say suck on. Call that. it gnaw. <laughs> <non. laughs> you got to gnaw on it. Gnaw <laughs> on that all <laughs> yeah. week. Yeah. Oh man, I love me some Jerry. Then he had the the bucket thing at the end oh, too. Oh my goodness, I'm like <laughs> he has so many random references. I I love anytime I get some Jerry Jones audio. I'm just let, let me ask you this: it.
3: Do you think Jerry Jones is at the age where he's got some bowls of hard candy around the house now? No. Uh,
2: <laughs> Everything is pureed <laughs> around that crib right now. Uh-uh. No, yeah. Jerry
1: Jones is a billionaire. He's got the finest teeth money can buy. We don't he's got about, some man. hard
3: candies around the hey, house. Yeah,
1: he's got them, them chumpers, is the top-notch chumpers. Man, you probably see Dr. Greg Eckert. to will get them. <laughs> thing, you know what I'm saying? Uh, all right. That's enough Jerry Jones like sound it. there. We come back. We'll talk uh Longhorn Football. Jalen Catalan, comedian in Texas. Uh that broke yesterday during the show. Also, Derek Johnson, legendary lifetime Longhorn Derek Johnson, elected to the College football. Hall of Fame. That happened during the show yesterday, so we didn't have a ton of time to digest it break it down. We'll Mm -hmm. do that on the other side. Also, the Longhorns, 25th in the latest AP poll. We'll discuss whether they're uh, ranked too high, too low, or whether they should be ranked at all. All of that and more right here on Ball. Don't Lie. I'm 149. The Horn.